Last episode, we briefly talked about the sentence structure of Sanskritam and how its flexibility cannot be mimicked in a structure-oriented language like English. So today, we thought of discussing Sanskritam non-translatables. If you're interested in reading a book with the same title, please check out our description. Or what are Sanskrit non-translatables? Essentially, when we're learning a new language, our first instinct is to connect the new words and phrases to a language that we are familiar with. Similarly, all of us have tried to connect Sanskrit words to English to better understand the language for ourselves, as well as to educate our peers. However, this practice contains many discrepancies. Raleigh translating words between languages can remove the true essence of each language as it neglects context and custom. Oftentimes, these translations aren't logical and are quite funny. We can see these discrepancies kick in while translating certain Sanskrit phrases into English and vice versa. In order to highlight this point, let's play a game. You can follow along too and play with us. Let us know how many you got right and wrong. Yes, how do you say Vidyalayam Gachati Balakaha in English? Well, the literal translation would be school goes boy, but you would actually say the boy goes to school. Yes, exactly. There's differences in the way Samskritam grammar and English grammar are written. Now we're going to switch it up a bit. We are going to translate commonly used idioms in the English language into Samskritam. Avani, how do you say it's raining cats and dogs in Sanskritam? Um, is it Shunakanam Bedalanam Vrishtihi Asti? No, it's actually Yadva Tadva Vrishtihi. Oh, okay. Um, I have one for you. Do you know how to say break a leg in Sanskritam? Is it Padasya Bhagnam Kuryat? Mm-mm, no, it is Shubham Bhuyat. Krisha, I have one for you. Do you know how to say hit the hay in Sanskritam? Is it Shushkatrinam Tareya? Nah, it's just Nidram Guru. Nidra, do you know what under the weather is? Uh, is it Vata Varanasya Adaha Asmi? No, it's Aham Asvasta Asmi. That makes sense. So here what we wanted to emphasize is that English idioms are very figurative in nature and hence they cannot be literally translated into another language, especially when the language is not of the same linguistic family, like English and Sanskrit them. They are of two different families. So similarly, even Sanskrit them has many phrases or prayogas that do not give the same effect if they are translated into another language such as English. That was a fun game, everybody. I hope you learned something from that segment. In our first episode, we told you that in every episode, we will be discussing a specific topic pertaining to our Kendra's theme, which is Sarvatra Sanskritam, in which we track Sanskritam's impact on the world. Today, we wanted to investigate the impact of Sanskritam in ancient India overall and see its presence in modern times. Due to Samskritam's extremely old age, it is very important to know that much of what we say are merely theories. 
Although they are well supported by evidence, such theories do vary between a plethora of scholars and we will not be able to cover all of them. We therefore encourage you to investigate on your own if you're still curious. Sanskrit is believed to have been used by the celestial Hindu gods and later passed to the Indo-Aryans who migrated to the Indus Valley between 1800 and 1500 BCE. According to the World History Encyclopedia, the term Samskritam is derived from the conjoining of the prefix sam meaning samyak or entirely and krit meaning done. Thus, Sanskrit is believed to be the language that perfectly and entirely communicates emotion and meaning. The origin of the written language can be traced to the Rig Veda, written in the 2nd millennium BCE, containing sacred hymns that were previously passed down through oral traditions. However, Sanskrit isn't merely limited to Hindus. It was spoken by early Buddhists, Jains, and Sikhs. Sanskrit literature is widely read today, and ancient poems, dramas, and scientific texts composed in the thriving Indus Valley civilization are composed entirely of this language. Some of the world's greatest works and treasures recorded in Sanskrit are recorded in Sanskritam. In ancient Indian society, Hinduism was greatly incorporated into literature. We can see this in the famous writings by Valmiki and Vedavyasa, who wrote the Ramayana, the Mahabharata, and the Mahabharata epics. Furthermore, Sanskrit poets were literary geniuses. Did you know that there is a kavya called the Viloma Kavya, composed as a palindrome? When you read it one way, it narrates the story of Rama, and when you read it backwards, it narrates the story of Krishna. We can go into an example next time. However, Sanskrit, like many other languages, evolved to become more structured and grammatical. Upon the end of the Vedic period, the Sanskrit grammarian Panini composed the Ashtadhyayi, establishing the rules of the Sanskrit you hear us speak today. Panini remains responsible for the standardization of this language, which can be seen through many modern-day languages as well. Much of Carnatic and Hindustani music utilizes Sanskrit during this period, and it is one of the 14 original languages of India mentioned in the country's constitution. Through trade and migration, Sanskrit spread to the southern regions of the subcontinent, influencing the modern languages of Tamil, Telugu, Malayalam, and Kannada. At the same time, Sanskritam did not stay confined to the Indian subcontinent. Through maritime trade, Sanskritam spread to the Spice Islands, becoming a foundational language of the Sri Vijaya Empire in Sumatra. In fact, Old Malay contains numerous Sanskritam loanwords. We can also see this influence of Sanskritam today in those regions. For example, the international airport in Bangkok, Thailand is called Suvarnabhumi, which roughly translates to golden land in Sanskritam. Many of you might be wondering when Sanskrit died, or if it even is a dead language. According to the 2011 Indian census, only 25,000 Indians registered the language as their mother tongue, falling from the mere 45,000 in 1991. There are many theories to the fall of Sanskrit, and here is a brief of a few of them. Many believe that the decline of the language originated from the establishment of the Turkish Sultanate, 
Others believe that the Mughal invasion was mainly responsible. As Muslim invaders took rule, the influence of Arabic, a language of the Semitic family, took presence in everyday conversation, and classical Sanskrit began to fade. Additionally, as society became more endogamic and people began to marry within their communities, migration halted, and the influence of Sanskrit to southern languages and regions weakened. British rule, occurring centuries after these invasions, paid even less regard to the Sanskrit language, enforcing English as one of the main languages taught in schools across the subcontinent. Although Sanskritam is not a widely spoken language anymore, its mark on the world is present in numerous fields of study beyond religion. Ayurveda and yoga are two main subjects that incorporate Sanskritam as its linguistic medium. Additionally, various STEM topics have been recorded in Sanskritam, such as astronomy, surgical medicine, and the discovery of the number zero by Aryabhatta, and many more. For instance, NASA researcher Rick Briggs claims that Sanskrit is the most suitable language for computer programming, as its grammar is considered logical and root-bound. We will dive deeper into more specific grammar concepts in future episodes, so stay tuned! With this information, do you still believe Sanskrit is a dead language, or do you think it's alive? We wanted to conclude today's episode by underscoring the importance of Sanskrit and how it leads to a repository of knowledge providing information about the ancient past and values. With that being said, Sanskritam has aphorisms or subhashitas which convey these values. Our subhashita for this episode is... Vidya dadati vinayam vinayatyati patratam patratva dhanam apnoti dhanadharmam tatasukham. The literal translation of this subharshitam is that knowledge or vidya gives you humility, which is vinayam. And with this vinayam comes recognition, which is patrata. And recognition brings wealth, which is dhanam. And through wealth comes virtue, or dharma. And this is then followed by happiness, or sukham. In a broader sense, knowledge and true knowledge eradicates ego and arrogance in one, thus bringing humility. When one is humble, they will be recognized and the recognition will lead to wealth, both literally with a job and income, and internally, where one is on the right path. This all then leads to dharma, where one is making the right decisions for spending the wealth and is not indulging in any evil deeds. This is wrapped up with happiness, because one who is following the right path will strive to work harder and serve their people. They will be happy happy during doing their duty and will achieve true bliss. Altogether, while one may feel momentary happiness, Long-lasting happiness cannot be achieved overnight, and one must work towards it. With that thought, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until then, remember, Basha Eva Samskritihi. Language is culture. Danyavada! Happy New Year!